Welcome to the New Books Network. This is the Nordic Asia Podcast. Welcome to the Nordic Asia Podcast, a collaboration sharing expertise on Asia across the Nordic region. I'm Myung-Hee Lee, a postdoctoral fellow at the Nordic Institute of Asian Studies at the University of Copenhagen. Today, we invite Professor Yoongyung Lee for her expertise on South Korea's social movement. Yoongyung Lee is a professor in the Department of Sociology at the University of Toronto and a political scientist. She is the author of two books and many journal articles. Her second book, Between the Streets and the Assembly, Social Movements, Political Parties and Democracy in Korea, is published this year. Since its founding, South Korea has had a long-standing history of a social movement. One cannot fully understand South Korean authoritarian periods, democratic transitions, and democratic consolidations, basically the history of the democracy of the country, without discussing the dynamics of social movements. The country was democratized in 1987 amid a huge popular protest movement. After democratization, at every critical moment in the country, one can witness a protest movement. For example, in 2016-17, South Koreans held a big protest movement called the Candlelight Vigil to impeach then-President Park geun And this year, South Koreans also had to witness a tragic event in Itaewon. More than 150 young people died in the Halloween crowd surge, and now people are questioning the government's failure to control the crowd and demand accountability on the street. These examples of social movements are among many others. So therefore, we are happy to invite Professor Lee to discuss social movements in South Korea. Thank you for joining us today and congratulations on your second book being published. This is a very important book and this book is really a gist of your extensive research on social movements over 20 years. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure and thank you so much for inviting me to talk about my second book as well as my general research interest in social movements. Thank you. So since you brought up like your second book, can you briefly introduce what your new book is about? As you opened this uh, conversation with examples of popular protest in South Korea, Korean citizens are known to be participatory Democrats who experience greater political efficacy when they participate, participate in direct action like protest than in institutional politics like elections or speaking to legislators. At the same time, Koreans show a very low level of trust in political parties and the legislature compared to other public institutions. So my central question was why and how Korean citizens have become such uh, participatory Democrats, or as some journalists put it, why Koreans are so good at protesting. So that was my central question that guided this book. And to inquire this question, I have closely followed three groups within the so-called 586 generation, the generation that was born in their resistance to military dictatorship back in the 80s, 
who are now in their 50s and playing a very important role in many social movement organizations, as well as in party politics. So the first group continues to be in the streets and it constitutes it comprises of activists and social movement organizations. And the second group has made a transition from the streets to the National Assembly. So I examine activists turned politicians in centrist parties. And the last group that I examine is activists who somewhere between the streets and the National Assembly. So activists come politicians in progressive parties. And I examine these three groups in interaction with each other. And the central theme with which I examine these three groups and their interactions is the importance of collective action capacity. And we all know that either for social movement organizations or political parties, what they're doing is collective action. And generating this collective action capacity is really very critical for both types of organizations. And I found out that the reason why um, Korean citizens have become so capable in street protests whenever there is a political reason to do so is because these activists in social movement organizations over many, many years and experiences have developed a national solidarity infrastructure for national level coordination, for national level mobilization and policy advocacy. Whereas activists turn politicians in centrist parties or activists come politicians in progressive parties, for you know, different reasons, were not able to build this kind of collective action capacity within their own organizations. Yeah, the fascinating part of this book is that you are actually looking at these actors in social movements and the generation, 586 generation, actually really fascinating generation. This generation is actually really active in confronting the military dictatorship in the 80s. And some of them are still pursuing their career in these social movement organizations, and others are turning into mainstream politicians. So that exploration is actually really fascinating part of this book, and that is really well depicting South Korean social movement environment. So how did you become interested in studying social movement and party politics in South Korea? Because this book is not just about social movement, it's also about party politics and people's low trust in party politics. So how did you interest in exploring these two different spheres? There are two broad reasons that brought me into this examination of social movements and party politics. And one is more theoretical or methodological that are prevalent in social sciences or more specifically social movement as scholarship because not many studies really approach social movements or political parties at the same time and closely examine the interactions between the two. Party scholars study political parties, social movements uh, as scholars study social movements. But as in the case of uh, South Korean history and political development, it is almost impossible to understand Korean politics without examining social movements and political parties at the same time. So that was my theoretical motivation. And from the empirical side, 
as we began this conversation that you know, South Korean society is never short of you know, street protest and citizens have mobilized every now and then for political causes. And uh, whenever I see people's collective action to make their society a better place, it is always fascinating. It is always inspiring. And particularly when we often compliment that we've become more individualistic over time and we've lost social capital, we have lost social trust. But still, you know, there are people out there who are mobilizing not only for their own interests, but for something that is collective. So that has always been really fascinating to me. And relate to that, I also belong to this 586 generation and having a considerable number of personal friends and former comrades who entered formal politics, either the centrist or progressive parties. But being under so much criticism from many different angles, I wanted to understand why their idealistic goals to change Korean politics from within were halfway or even less achieved. I wanted to understand why that happened. You were also an activist under the military dictatorship in the 80s. As far as I know, you were into labor movement. Yes, that's true. So is there anything you want to share about the labor movement in the 80s? What that looked like? What was the main concern of the movement participants? And what was the main goal in the 80s? Wow, that's a big question and a serious question. These days, when we are talking about the 80s, some people just touch upon these democratic ideals that, you know, in the military dictatorship, they wanted to have freedom and democracy. But I think the political project at the time by critical intellectuals, student activists, and labor activists were bigger than just procedural democracy. I think it was a more comprehensive political and economic revolutionary ideals that not only political democracy and freedom, but at the same time, economic equality and redistribution was very, very important component of this political project at the time. So in that sense, the role of industrial workers and their interest and collective claims being included and articulated was very, very important at the time. So in that sense, a big number of student activists, when they graduated, they made this transplantation, as it was called at the time, into rural areas or into factory towns to become uh, farmers or to become workers and to mingle with workers and organize trade unions that were not allowed at the time and to fight together for workers' rights, labor rights, and human rights. Wow, that is a fascinating story. So in the 80s, people are not just fighting for procedural democracy. They were actually fighting for economic justices. Um, so I just, I'm just curious what happened after democratization in that line of movement. How do people find themselves on the street in demanding economic justice? I don't think that voice has disappeared completely because, and particularly in the last 20 years or something after the Asian financial crisis that hit the Korean economy really hard and precariousness and economic hardship and inequality increasing, 
people re-emphasizing the importance of social welfare, redistribution, and uh, some people use the term economic democratization that South Korean society has achieved procedural and to some extent substantial substantive political democracy, but not very satisfactorily when it comes to economic justice. So I think it's still there, but outside labor unions or some progressive social movement organizations, particularly those who entered formal politics, my assessment is they made too early compromise with the predominant economic system that we have here in Korea. And they focus most of their energy on political reform or political change or fighting against the remnants of authoritarian forces, but forgetting that these two themes, political and economic democratization, have to progress together. I think they have lost that voice too quickly. So people in the mainstream political arena, they just did not make a voice on this economic part enough? That's what you're assessing? Yes, that's my assessment. Okay, thank you. So going back to our social movement discussion, why is it so important to study social movements to understand Korean politics and society? I think many people these days are fascinated about South Korea and particularly this very dynamic force such as the rapid economic development and South Korea you know, becoming a global economic powerhouse. And more recently, South Korea is now seen as a global leader of popular culture with K-pop, BTS, Parasite, and Squid Game. But as you opened up this conversation with examples of social movement protests, Korean political dynamism is also very, very interesting because there have been so many popular uprisings for political change. And you mentioned about the candlelight protest to impeach uh, President Park Geun-hye in 2016 and 17. And also the democratic transition was achieved by people power who mobilized nationwide to bring down military dictatorship. And the list goes on and on and on, as I count in my book. So by pulling resources together and practicing active organizing, social activists were able to spearhead not only regime change, but also to alter institutional rules and to induce the rewriting of laws. So these political dynamics demonstrate the historic moments when social movement organizations play a remarkable role in resetting the course of institutional politics and enhancing democratic representation in South Korea. So I don't think South Korean politics can be understood without comprehending the role, uh, the scope, and the mechanism of protest movements. And also the central actors and political mechanisms through which major political change has been achieved in Korea in the past three decades or so, are different from those that we observe in other democracies. Mm -hmm. And I thought that this difference requires an explanation. I see. Regarding the labor movement you mentioned, so you said your assessment about the labor movement or the demand for the economic justice in the National Assembly is pretty weak. 
But how do you assess that demand in social movement organizations? Is that still active? People are still actively demanding the economic justice in South Korea on the street. What is the labor movement environment in South Korea after democratic transition? I think it'll be really hard to generalize that labor movements have this economic agenda or civil society in general present this kind of economic agenda and the same for political parties. And there are criticisms that the mainstream labor unions are representing the interest of full-time workers instead of speaking for more general, fundamental, critical labor market issues. And I fully see that. But my critique is, even when politicians, either in centrist or progressive parties, are talking about social welfare or redistributional issues, I don't think they are really looking beyond the existing dominant economic system in South Korea. So there are a small number of politicians who talk about the problems of tables, but and there are you know politicians who talk about that we need to increase social spending or social protection programs. But I think we really need to go deeper into the problems of labor market issues right now with the expansion of platform capitalism and with increasing precarious workers. So I think it's not just amending small patches here and there. But I think we really need to think more deeply and critically about the kind of economic system that we live in. In that sense, I think many politicians are, in a sense, very short-minded and narrowly focused instead of looking at big pictures and how the structural problems of inequality, either in terms of income or wealth, real estate, ownership, can be addressed fundamentally in South Korean society. Is there any any place where these civil society activists and labor movement activists are meeting with mainstream politicians and have discussions about this economic injustice issues and social welfare issues? Is there any place like that or they are just separate? I think an ideal method would be that either politicians or social activists who are concerned about inequality issues come together and share their thoughts and plan for longer term and bigger term changes and policy interventions. But I'm spending my sabbatical year here in Korea the entire year, and I've been meeting and speaking with different people, politicians, activists, But it seems like in both spheres, within political parties and within social movement organizations, there are so many lines of divisions and polarizations, I would say, and individualization that there is no really energy to come together, to speak together. And this 586 generation is declining. And the next generation of activists who are reform-minded politicians are still slow to come up. So in that sense, I think to talk about fundamental critique of the political economy system in South Korea and to take steps to amend the problems, I think it would take much longer time than I would ideally expect. I see. Okay, so 
Next question is what are some unique aspects of South Korean social movements? I would answer this question by revisiting one of the motivations that I had when I was working on this book. Many social movement scholars conventionally approach the social movement organizations are parochial because they focus on specific issues, not general or national level issues most of the time. And they are rather provisional organizations that rise and decline in the process of popular protest. What I saw in the Korean case is social movement organizations take very different shape and scope. And because of that, they can play a very significant role for political change and reform politics in South Korea. And from my research, I called this three beaks of South Korean SMOs. One is South Korean social movement organizations are big in their size when measured by the number of full-time activists and by the scope of the membership. And a large number of full-time activists called 상근활동가 are participating in these big organizations, in addition to a big number of professionals like professors and lawyers and journalists who also are active in these organizations. The second big is the scope of their advocacy activism. Yes, there are smaller organizations focusing on specific issues, but the kind of organizations that I examine in my book, whether they have the name of women's rights organization or environmental or economic justice, but still what they actually do is much bigger in their scope and agenda. So that's another big aspect of South Korean social movement organizations. And the last one is financial independence. So the big organizations, sometimes they might be getting some projects sponsored by local governments, but still they try to maintain their financial independence based on membership dues. With these three big characteristics, social movement organizations can do agenda setting and policy crafting at the national level. And they're not focused on a specific issue, but concerned about almost all national and systematic agenda. So that's another, I think, very important characteristic of social movement organization in South Korea compared to, say, civic organizations in Japan or Taiwan or even in China, because in Japan, Organizations are very strong and dense at the local level, but they have very few big organizations that address national agenda or that are capable of organizing at the national level. Taiwan, I would say, is somewhere in the middle because, yes, they have important civic organizations, but what characterizes these organizations is they grew in dependent relationship on the Democratic Progressive Party when they were the opposition party and fighting together against the KMT authoritarian regime. So being independent and organizing at the national level, projecting national agenda, I think are really important characteristics of South Korean social movement organizations. And I don't think one is the cause of the other, but they really grow in interaction with each other. They had these big goals of toppling military dictatorship, 
So that really provided the background of addressing national level agenda. Mm -hmm. And they also continued and practiced this national level mobilization whenever there was a political cause arising. They have created very dense network among themselves. And as I cite in my book, one of the activist leaders mentioned that if there is anything, any political agenda happening, then we are able to mobilize a national network of social movement organizations within a week. Mm -hmm. So it means over time, they have developed this very dense network, and they can connect with each other very quickly. And they have all these experiences and know-hows, how to start collecting signature or how to set up a street protest, how to mobilize at the national level and so forth. So I think that All these are very important characteristics of South Korean social movements that put them apart from the experiences in in other societies. Yeah, so because of these like national level mobilizing capabilities, we can absolve these candlelight movement types of big movement in South Korea. So whenever there's a national level big agenda like disclosure of the Park corruption scandal, something like Mm -hmm. that, then these organizations are working together and organizing a coherent social movement, which attracts a lot of protesters and very unique characteristics in South Korea. Yes. Um, Yeah. So the final question is about the next generation of social movement. In your book, you're mainly examining this 586 generation. And you also mentioned that this generation is declining. And who would be the next generation of social movement in South Korea? And what could be the main agenda of this new generation of social movement? As I noted earlier, I am here in in Seoul in uh, speaking to these older social activists, and they were um, struggling with two issues. One is, except the big players in social movements, organizations, the smaller ones, and especially the organizations that are at the local level, are really struggling hard with their finance. Mm -hmm. And in order to continue their activities, they have to apply for projects that local governments or the central government is calling for proposals. And then they become like the middleman between the government and the grassroots. And they lamented that these activists in local organizations have become almost like quasi-bureaucrats who are writing up these proposals administrating these projects, writing reports back to the local government, instead of actually organizing the grassroots and fighting in the streets. So I think that's one dilemma right now with smaller groups and associations, that their identity as protesting and resisting organizations is declining or somewhere, you know, lost. And another issue that many activists shared with me was the supply of younger activists into their organizations. And also the perhaps cultural gap between the 586 generation and the younger generation 
who are coming from their experience as feminist activists and environmental justice activists. So they're really trying very hard to reconcile these cultural differences. So I think those two, how to still maintain political, financial independence, these civic organizations can continue their activism is, I think, one issue. And the other one is how this low supply of younger generation activists can be addressed. And if there is any generational gap between the two, then how these differences, again, can be understood and overcome. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise on social movement. This is so fascinating. And your new book is already published and out on the market. So we'll share the link so people can go and see your book. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for providing this opportunity to talk about my newly published book, but as well as about South Korean social movements. It was my pleasure to be part of this conversation and to share my thoughts about Korean social movements. Thank you so much. Thank you. You have been listening to the Nordic Asia podcast.